Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Paige Wesley. And with us we have... Mosquitoes! <laughs> we sure do. Hey, what's up everybody? I'm back from my trip, and oh boy do we talk about it. If you don't give a shit about France, just go ahead and skip about 30 minutes of this podcast. Yeah, like 24 minutes almost exactly, yeah. Yeah, but go ahead. I mean, it's fun, and I have a blast, and uh, you get to learn a lot about France and my mm-hmm. travels. So, um, yeah, just giving you that heads up. Uh, special shouts out to Todd and Mikey for taking over last week. Um, and, and I do think it's interesting that it takes two of them to just make up for one of me. So, <laughs> I think that's Well, we fun. have to stack them on top of each other to be your gargantuan height. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, hey, it's a great episode. Like we said, skip ahead if you don't want to listen. Um, special shouts out to Rooster Teeth, Kakaka, Kakadoodledoo, and uh yeah www.patreon.com slash cult podcast help support the show i think that's everything without any further ado let's hop into the show baby hello hello mosquito For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm, organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership, organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers, organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships, and organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits, and as always, these are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. Bonjour. I am Armando Torres. Oh, God. No, it's um, very good to be here, uh, Paige. Thank you so much for having me. Armando also has frosted tips. Like, I know none of you can see it, but I feel like we need to discuss it. Um... So I don't, um, I'm not really sure what your point is. It's uh, sort of all the rage here in Europe. Oh, my point is, qu'est-ce que c'est? You look like I should be keeping you away from Millie Bobby Brown. (laughs) (laughs) The bleach in your hair is just (sighs) a white flag of French surrender. Mm, Look at that. Look at that. Oh, I mean, uh, look at that. Look at that. If you're here, who's wearing oversized jerseys with khakis in the disco? Oh, <laughs> uh, you know what sucks is it's also me. <laughs> it was just earlier. <laughs> oh, that was me at one a.m. wearing a, a cactus plant flea market soccer jersey and pleated <laughs> dickies. So you really blended in. Oh yeah, baby. It's it's been it's been really nice. Um, uh, yesterday I was in uh, I, I went to a bar and there's like to get to the bar you have to walk through a very dark and scary street and uh, I think I scared the shit out of two women on accident because they like <laughs> turned a corner and then they saw me and I was wearing like dark clothing and also I'm a huge brown person uh-huh. and these two white women just kind of looked at me and I saw the surprise in their eyes and I swear to God I saw them look up at my hair and then just go oh okay <laughs> they were like, Sacre bleu. Oh. oh okay okay Mon it's Dieu. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> is it's it because fine. you look like your favorite sex position is whichever one allows you both to keep smoking <laughs> 
Oh, man. It's good to be back in America. Is it? It is. It's, you know what? Bastille Day was this past month, which is perfect because the whole head should go. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bastille Day. Uh, it's very good. Um, you look like you smell like guillotine spirit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love yeah. that I, w- I waited until we were on mic to do that. No, this is good. I like this a lot, actually. And I mean that genuinely. Oh, good oh, to be home. Yeah. God damn. I'm uh, you know what? I know you're making fun of me, but I'm gonna I'm gonna bless you up real quick. I'm gonna give you the okay. sign of the croissant. So there we oh. go. <laughs> the sign of the oh. croissant, by the way, is up, side, side, side and then side. way too low and it's uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, I thought you were gonna go up, side, side, and then curl it around like you would a croissant <laughs> for the flaky layers. Uh yeah, you know me, Paige. I'm just trying to chase that bag at Get. and <laughs> just trying to stay cobble stoned up in these streets. Ooh, baby, you know how I'm living. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh yes. Hello everybody. I just got back from Paris and um it was uh oh I guess I'll say uh, transcendent uh it was uh, no it, it was fucking, hot as balls it was hot as shit it was fucking awful <laughs> it's all you're first of all you've got a whole first no first of all everyone hitting me up on social media being like oh so i see that your opinion on the french has changed the fuck it hasn't baby i spent two and a half <laughs> weeks there it just got worse first of all you got a whole continent don't believe in ac no one has air conditioning and they had the historically hottest week in french history and yep. also like it was they hot. also don't believe in deodorant no oh baby do they not believe in deodorant <laughs> oh sweetheart do they not believe in it it is i had to take the metro and you go yep. downstairs which is essentially a train dungeon and 20 degrees hotter it's fucking oh, terrible absolutely and as soon as you get down the stairs it just fucking hits you in the face it's a fucking it's so stench just piss and bo no, yeah it's, it's fucking terrible they have a such a specific body odor too so okay here's the thing there are a ton of american restaurants in france they have yeah, or fake american restaurants where they pretend to be american yes <laughs> i wish i would have gone to those they they have a <laughs> bunch of american chains that are sort of like chains they have oh, uh, mcdonald's well no they call it mcdo uh McDo. they have mcdo they have uh, what's really popular there is kfc surprisingly KFC is um, also popular in Asia, yes. They do have Pizza Hut, and they mm-hmm. also have Pepsi. So Fun uh, Yumco is, or whatever the fuck, is, yes. is there. They don't have Taco Bell. They no, don't they do have not. any Taco Bell. In most of Europe, they don't have Taco Bell, but in France specifically, they like only know Taco Bell for the memes. Their body odor... <laughs> smells like cumin powder and rotten onions taco bell oh onions okay so my theory is that the reason they don't eat taco bell is because it would probably smell exactly like their fucking body odor <laughs> so you would order a fucking chalupa and then be like this smell, smell like the metro i don't uh, i don't want to eat this smells like etn what <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah. Also, did I not warn you that they are 
the rudest people on the planet? Surprisingly not as rude as the Dutch, by the way. Just Interesting. Yeah. I've never met the Dutch, so that that's new for me. So remember when, earlier when I said I scared the shit out of two white women? Uh, yes, of course. It also happened in Amsterdam. But what all right. I had to do, so I was, I, I was walking out of a building with another person, and this person mm-hmm. is... Uh, a, a white uh, Swiss Italian and they walk out of the building and do the white people head nod where you know you purse your lips super tight mm, you try to make them non-existent and then you sh- you nod your head down uh, they did that with a white woman who was standing outside talking to somebody and they like did that and then said a greeting and whatever fucking however Dutch people say hello and like oh or whatever and then <laughs> Perfect impression. I understood you completely. They walk away, and then I walk out of the building, and this woman looks at me and goes, and then grabs her purse and her child closer to her. (laughs) And that was literally. I shouldn't laugh at racism. That was literally the first thing that happened when I got to the Netherlands. It was the (laughs) first fucking thing. Oh, man. The French are rude, and I will give you two examples, and then we can get off this topic. Sure, Um, sure, sure. The first is my favorite. And uh, so there's this old man, right? I was getting on the metro, and there's this old man. And when I say old, I mean old. I mean, like, the oldest man I've ever seen. Like, (laughs) so old. Like, you ever see somebody so old, you get worried for them? Like yes, you're like, why are you out? Yeah. yeah, and I'm not. I don't. I don't mean like he was carrying something or walking upstairs. He was existing, and I was like, sir, do you need help? Like, <laughs> sir, do you have one of the time crystals? Like, <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ! L- literally, Jesus. He was Jesus Christ. He was you're that like, old. Jesus. What? I thought you went back to heaven after you <laughs> raised from the dead. He's the oldest man that I've ever seen in my entire life. Doesn't speak English. Walks up to me on the metro. And then he goes, I'm going to, tr- this is sort of a visual thing. But what he does is he walks up to me and he looks me in the eye and he goes, <laughs> So to clarify, you just made the universal French sound for I'm a, uh, a chef cooking fish in a Little Mermaid movie. <laughs> and then you widened your arms to denote width. Yeah, that's what he did to me. He walked. And again, so first of all, doesn't speak English. So in his mind, he's like, this has got to break the language barrier. This is the universal sign for you fattest fuck. Yeah, yeah. This man needs to know how fucking fat he is. Secondly, again, he's 20 minutes from death. So he's on the like five yard line or meter line on the rugby field or whatever. And he's like, I got to let this guy know. <laughs> Before I die, I got to accomplish one last goal. And it's making sure this dude knows how fucking fat he is. Anyway, I pushed him on the tracks and he was nice. hit by a train so you were exactly right on that 20 minutes till death absolutely because the train was 30 minutes late because if there's one thing you can count on it's french incompetence (laughs) oh my god i see you were trying to use the trains to get where in you know timely oh yeah 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 yeah. they and here's the thing (laughs) foolish sir (laughs) boy are they efficient on getting you to where you gotta go but you gotta you just gotta be okay with being an hour late because nothing they're late to everything everything and it was wild to me that like no one seemed to care oh yeah Everyone was just like, we get there when we get there. I had a train ticket to like a, so the Metro is one thing, but I also like, they take trains places. Yeah, you're a rail. 
so I had um, I was taking the metro to the train station to Gardenon so that I could take a train to Luxembourg. Which Luxembourg, Luxembourg, the state of Luxembourg mm-hmm. also. Yeah. Luxembourg, Luxembourg, a wonderful <laughs> town. The train goes there and other stuff happens. Yeah. Well, don't don't stroke Luxembourg off too much because it fucking <laughs> sucks ass too. <laughs> anyway, my point is, is that uh, I was taking the train there, but I overslept. And so my train was supposed to leave at 930. And I'm like, oh, fuck, fuck, fuck fuck and the train the metro is late as shit so i'm thinking like oh fuck and i get there at 9 23 and this is a feat of wonder page i'm talking like i'm sprinting through the streets of paris (laughs) they think i'm godzilla i am fucking a monster in these streets because i am the fattest person in all of paris and i'm like bread trucks just like exploding as you run past absolutely people are uh, like the prophecy has come true the one loose chickens in the street (laughs) yeah yeah uh i'm i'm like almost falling down the stairs in the metro i'm pushing my way into the metro train so that i can get to where i gotta go as soon as the doors open i'm fucking sprinting through the station it is a miracle that I make it there on time, and then I look up, and it goes train to Luxembourg, fifty minutes late. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? Nope. Anyway, <laughs> the last story I have of how rude the French are is I went to a restaurant and I was ordering breakfast, and this is the second day that I am in Paris. And here's a fun fact for you: nobody drives; everyone takes a bike somewhere. And right. uh, also, except for the one taxi that hit my sister when we were there, <laughs> they do drive. And that's the other thing is that the drivers are reckless in Paris. Oh, yeah. They, there are no rules. Chaos reigns. They drive like driving is going extinct and they need to remind you that they exist. That is <laughs> they are the worst. Oh, they drive like it's Mad Max Fury Road, Mm -hmm. but it's definitely like in the middle of a ton of buildings and civilization. Absolutely. Here's the thing is like, I, I. Italy's worse, honestly. (laughs) I fucking bet. I know it seems damn impossible, but Italy is worse. So if you're, if you've never been, um, here's like a great way to catch you up on what we're talking about. In Paris, there are no lane dividers. There, uh, it is just a free for all where you can just go wherever you want, do whatever you want. The bus lane has a divider, and that's about it. There is, and it's not like, oh, you're supposed to create your own lanes. No, it's literally a free for all. It is a free for all. And I remember being in a taxi at the Trocadero and just literally. As we were trying to get there, we went through kind of this like roundabout kind of thing. And he just like, like merged across what would have been like four lanes. No warning, no blinker, Mm-mm. taking his life into his own mm-hmm. hands. It was wild. It is the most wild shit I have ever experienced in my entire life driving. And also, they all text and drive. All constantly. A hundred percent of the time, yes. which is so fucking dangerous. Anyway, so they're they're driving like fucking madmen. They're crazy. They're they're awful, awful people. And uh, <laughs> I'm bicycling for the first time in my in, in my life. And also, like, 
I'm bicycling just as recklessly. Like, I'm blowing through red lights. I'm fucking taking turns sharp as shit. I don't give a fuck, dude. I'm as big as your shitty European car, okay? That's true. That is true. One of us is going to the shop. It's not going to be me, all right? Like, <laughs> I, I feel good about my odds. Um, also, I used to, I like doing this thing where I would pull up next to them on a light, and I would just be like, vroom, 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 and they thought I was a car. <laughs> Nice. Um, <laughs> well, you're the same size. Yeah, I got a bunch of trunk space. Call me a Peugeot, baby. Um, <laughs> me versus your Citroen. Let's see who wins. <laughs> it's me. Um, and so uh, that's the other thing, too, by the way, is like they drive so recklessly. I kind of understand how Lady Die could have been an accident. You know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> it was I like this makes sense. <laughs> I also had to pass through that tunnel like every single day. <laughs> and it is oh, no. Very odd. They have a. will try to find a picture of it and post it. There is a um, a graffiti like a, a, a stencil artwork uh, on a pillar next to where she died. Oh, no, that seems not great. Yeah, and it's of her face, but they fucked up how defined the mouth is, so it makes it look like Lady Die is the Joker. <laughs> oh, no. Um, yeah, it's not supposed to be mean. It's just bad artwork. You ever see something where it's like, this is offensive, and no, it wasn't on purpose? You just suck as a, as a creator. Yeah, it's kind of like the movie Nope, where they're like, you ever heard of a bad miracle? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> this. <laughs> Anyway, so we are biking all around Paris. I'm doing like, I, I know this sounds like a lot. I have an electric bike. It helps some, but it is still a lot. We are biking upwards of 10 plus miles a day. Ugh. Just to get it. And Paris, by the way, is only three miles like wide and around. Yeah, it's, it's shockingly small. Yeah, yes. it's very small. It's very bikeable. The problem is is that, like the Bay Area, there's lots of fucking hills and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it is rough. I have never biked this much before. Uh, the second day is when we're biking and I'm. this is the second day I've biked like 10 miles. I'm fucking dying. I and, and I'm like, I need to eat like a traditional Paris breakfast. And I'm thinking that this is going to be like a meal a traditional paris Mm -mm. breakfast is a croissant a cup of coffee and a cigarette and like that's correct maybe you cat call somebody if you're having dessert oh yeah the cat calling in europe is real yes Mm -hmm. i met a fan by the way shouts out to ellen the greatest cult podcast fan in (laughs) all of paris i met a couple i met a couple parisian cult podcast fans and I was hesitant because of how much shit I talk on the stupid ass French as seen by mm-hmm. this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, the French. So, first of all, every fan of cult podcasts that lives in France is not French. They are some they're other. Expats. Yeah. They're from <laughs> England, Australia. They're from anywhere else. And they come up to me because they live in Paris and they go, thank you for speaking the truth. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, she was, uh, Ellen was telling me that in Paris when she first moved there, she got attacked because, yeah. uh, if you don't, if somebody cat calls you in French and you don't respond to them, uh, they will get mad at you. Like it's literally part of the game there where like, if somebody cat calls you, you as a woman have to respond. Otherwise it will get worse. Even if it's like to respond to be like, Hey, you dick bag, fuck you. But if you don't say anything, yeah. it will get worse, which is that, awful. That was 
that was Italy uh, when I was a teenager and my uh, friend at the time, I was with like a group of people, but my friend had to walk on the side of the street that faced outward so that people would catcall me less. It was brutal. It was wild. Fucking disgusting. I, it's, yeah, I, mm, I heard about that and I wanted to punch somebody. I like anybody, like any French person. (laughs) um anyway so the point is is that we're biking it sucks it's awful uh i'm i'm starving and i i get to this point where like i'm like i can't eat at a cafe like we gotta go somewhere that serves like a real breakfast and everyone's like okay yeah let's go so we go to a breakfast restaurant and we start ordering food and again we're starving i'm an american i'm there with another american we're there with also somebody from france a french person and one of the good ones and uh <laughs> i've never gotten that phrase i've always thought it was racist but being in france i get it a little bit <laughs> another phrase i get is uh why don't you just speak english that's another fr- like i turned into a typical stupid american point is we start ordering all this food and as we're ordering this food the waitress stops writing and we go is there an issue are you are you just gonna like remember this and are we out of yeah and she goes and no it's uh it's too much it's too much food for it's too much food it doesn't even fit on the table you order so much food also you don't need this much food you eat this much food you get you it's too much food i come back and you decide what you actually want and then she just fucking walks away I got fat shamed at a restaurant. Are you fucking kidding me, dog? Yeah, uh, I will never forget us going to a restaurant and uh, my dad, who does not speak French, uh, trying to order in French, like putting in effort, like doing badly, but like definitely putting the effort in. And the guy basically just was like, just speak English, whatever. Like <laughs> he was a total dick about it. It was just like, why are you why are you even trying? And just like was a complete asshole. And then service there is terrible. Like yeah. we sat we had to sit there for like three hours. It was like three hours with a waiter that hated us. And you're just like, Can you just give us the food of the check so we could fucking go? Like, geez. As an American, it is a bittersweet thing because on one hand, I want you to be nice to me. I need mm-hmm. you to be nice to me. But on the other hand, the reason they can be dickbags is because they they get paid enough that they don't have to put yeah, up with your shit. Yeah, they don't care. Yes. They, their tips are not a thing. Yeah. yeah. I, I tipped a couple times. And every time I did, people were... They treated me like royalty. They were yeah, so nobody happy. Does. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, yeah. It was, it was a phenomenal trip. I think two and a half weeks during the summer is the perfect way to do it. Because you go, and for the first four days, you do all the touristy shit, right? You mm-hmm. go to the Louvre. Uh, you see the arches. Um, also real quick story about the arches is, uh, so I vape nicotine. I vape 5%, which is pretty standard here in America. I go over to Europe. I go to France. Apparently (laughs) the highest percentage you can get is 2%. Uh, Oh, I see. I thought it was going to be the opposite. I thought they were going to be like, it's 12%. You fucking pussy. Yeah. I was also hoping for, I walked into a vape store. I asked the lady, do you have 5%? And I'm not joking. She laughed for an uninterrupted 20 seconds. She just (laughs) laughed in my face. Called me sweet. Uh, apparently, it was translated for me later. It was the equivalent of like a French phrase of like, oh, like you, a bless your heart. Oh, you sweet idiot. Yeah, it was bless your yeah. heart, but in French, yeah. which is like, I don't know, like fuck your croissant or whatever. <laughs> and 
I'm not proud to admit this, but there was the nicotine level for me was so bad that I eventually ended up just smoking a couple just switching cigarettes. to cigarettes. A couple yeah. times I didn't buy packs. I would get uh, somebody would like people had Lucy's. Yeah, people had rollies and they were like, you can have one if you roll your own. Uh, I don't know if you Americans can uh, roll your own cigarettes. And I was like, I've been rolling joints since 13, bitch. Give me this shit. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm rolling these perfect cigarettes. I'm smoking cigarettes. We go to the arch. I'm smoking a cigarette over there um, at nighttime, by the way. Like we're we're getting out of a bar. Um, I don't think it's the big arch. It's like a secondary arch. I don't know exactly where we are. Forgive me. I'm an idiot. But like we're there. Well, I like that you tagged it as Fresno on Instagram. <laughs> I mean, it fucking is. It's basically, uh, it doesn't matter. Point is, I'm smoking next to an arch and not right next to it, across the street. And a man comes up to me and starts yelling at me in French. And I go, no, 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 sir. Uh, no, uh, first of all, I go, no hablo francais. Great. Anglais. Because I'm drunk and also I've been yelled at all day. So I don't give a fuck anymore. And this guy goes, where are you from? And I go, America. And he goes, okay. You do not smoke near this. You see this arch? This is part of our history, okay? You come here. Also, that's bullshit. They smoke everywhere. They smoke everywhere. You can get fucked. They smoke everywhere. <laughs> they literally smoke everywhere. You can smoke in the fucking bars. You can smoke in a restaurant. It's mm, it's frustrating. This guy and I already know this. This is not my first day in France. This is like right. week one. This is my fourth day. In France. Exactly. I'm smoking a cigarette. He comes up and he starts yelling at me. He's like, if you you ask your cigarettes uh, on the ground, it's fine. You put your cigarettes out the way that you do it. I'm like more German right now than French. But um, he's like, you 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 put it out here and then you throw it away. Okay? You do not put it out near the arches. It is disrespectful. And I go, okay. And then I turn around and look at the arches that he's talking about. There is literally a man taking a piss on it. There is yeah, fucking... Mm-hmm. Mm. But he is French. But he is French. It is French piss, so it is much healthier. It is the French way. We piss on the things we love. <sighs> We've been recording for 25 minutes. I'm sorry. Um, the point is, I went for two and a half weeks. And it's the perfect way to go. Because for the first four days, you do touristy shit. After that, you... You kind of just become French. You just start hanging out at cafes. You start smoking rollies. You're just like doing shit that the French would do. I I like ate lunch next to the canal. It was beautiful. It was great. By the end of my trip, I wanted to come home so bad. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's great because you're like, I just want ketchup. Yeah. All I want is ketchup. Oh, their ketchup is sweet as shit, by the way. It's gross. They say yeah. that uh, they say everything in America is sweeter. Their ketchup is just fucking like jam. It's like tomato jam. It's fucking yeah, awful. It's, in in some cases, depending on where you are in Europe, they'll even, even call it tomato sauce. And I remember because this was like a debate on in like I can't remember if it was our group or the horror virgin group where we we refer to tomato sauce just in terms of pasta and they're like what are you talking like no and we're like okay clarification in America Mm -hmm. tomato sauce is a very specific thing usually thinner usually only for pasta or things or like a casserole that includes tomato sauce or whatever the stuff that you ask them to bring to the table is ketchup exclusively. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, or cocktail sauce, 
but that's a different thing. And like, it was a whole mess that people were like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Which they don't do, by the way. They don't have cocktail sauce. And no, they don't. That's that's largely an American. Thing. I went to a restaurant that when I ate same with peanut butter. When I ate uh, snails, when I ate escargot. I'm glad you did because I told you to, and you were like, "No, thank you." But it's not bad. It's not bad. You're the thing is, is you're not eating a snail. You're eating butter and garlic. All right, like yep, 100. It's it's delicious. You can cover anything in butter and garlic, and it fucking rocks. Yeah. When I went to the restaurant that had it, I went to this restaurant that basically serves a bunch of traditional French dishes, but like in small quantities, so you can get a bunch of it, and it rocks. Yeah. It's awesome. They and they they cater towards tourists, so everyone there was super nice, and our waiter was like mm-hmm. very kind, very forgiving. Also, for the most part, if you walk up to somebody and you go bonjour and you start talking to them a little bit in French, and then you go like. Um, do you speak English? They will go like, yeah. yes, Parlez-vous of course. Anglais? Yeah. yeah, and they and they will uh, they'll switch over. And they don't care. Right. Sorry, my Google heard me saying something. Fucking, <laughs> I'm not. I'm. Uh, I don't miss that. Anyway, <clears throat> I went to this restaurant. I order uh, <laughs> a prawn cocktail, which is supposed mm-hmm. to be a shrimp cocktail, uh, mm-hmm. and because they don't call them shrimp, they call them prawns. And they serve it to me, and I'm expecting cocktail sauce. No, mayonnaise, Paige. Yep. They serve mm-hmm. And they mayonnaise. also don't usually devein them either. They do not yeah. devein them because I was taking the shell off, and I saw the shit tracked. And my drunk brain just went, well, if it's good enough for the shrimp, and then I ate the shrimp. Oh, no. Oh, man. So, yeah, I um, they eat everything with mayonnaise. Here's the the quick thing that I learned about food. Their ketchup, sweet as shit. Their bread, so much better than ours. Their chocolate, perfect. Their chocolate Mm -hmm. and their sodas are perfect because they are- Yeah, they have Diet Coke light over there, which I honestly prefer to diet, like, Coke, or it's Coca-Cola light instead of Diet Coke, which I prefer to diet. I drank so much Coca-Cola over there because it's like, if you took the sweetness down by 50%, yeah, it's, and it's real sugar too, yeah, it's, like specifically. It's yeah. Perfect. It is perfect. It's like a Mexican Coke with less sweetness. It's so mm-hmm. beautiful. Also, they mm-hmm. have a drink called Orangina, which I am in. Oh, Orangina is delicious. Yeah, it's. Yeah. It, you can get Orangina here, although it's not quite the same. No, it is not. But I do have a hookup to get the fucking European stuff, baby. I'm going to get Orangina and I'm going to stock it up. I'm going to get a bunch of bottles of it. Orangina, by the way, in case you're wondering, is orange juice with pulp carbonated. That's it. Yes. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I'm sorry. I (laughs) have ranted about the French for half an hour. It's all good. Are we ready to rant about the Mormons? Absolutely. As, as I texted you early yesterday that I was like, we're ready to finish the Mormons. Yeah, but you didn't. So what you texted me was, are you ready to finish the Mormons? But for real, finish them. This ends here. <laughs> well, because I like read what I had typed out and I was like, that sounds ominous. Double down. Mm. Uh, I, I did that at a comedy show, by the way, uh, the other day, because I was trying to get into this joke about kids, uh, and I go, uh, does anyone here have kids? And there was just like a weird pause in the audience, because I went, does anyone here have kids? And there was just a weird mm-hmm. pause where nobody answered, and I went, yeah, I get that. I said that way too weird. Uh, here, let me try that again. Does anybody have children? <laughs> <laughs> just always double down. 
I I thought you were going to go, does anybody have kids in cages in their basement? (laughs) (laughs) And just catch the one person who said yes too fast. Uh, Anyway. Welcome to Colt Podcast. The Mormons. Yeah, thank you for tuning in to Colt Podcast. I'm Rage Wesley. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm a stupid American. And together we form the super friends. Anyway, (laughs) so let's talk about the Mormons. Uh, I'm going to quickly go through our sources. Uh, A lot of them are the same. Uh, And Armando, I don't know if you even had a chance to listen to the episode we did while you were gone. I did not. Because you've been traveling. Cool. I figured you probably didn't, so I have some stuff to catch you up. Cool. So... Uh, we have No Man Knows My History by Fawn Brody, Rough Stone Rolling by Richard Bushman. Uh, the article on Joseph Smith from the National American National Biography Association, The Life of Joseph Smith, based on the writings by Joseph Smith himself. Uh, and then the Salt Lake Tribune's article on the new photo of Joseph Smith, because we have to address that first. And then uh, Northern Public Radio's uh, episode on the Battle of Nauvoo. So... First things first, we got to talk about the photo. I don't know if you saw this because you have been abroad. Um, but earlier this like past week, a photo got released that people are claiming is Joseph Smith. Uh, now, he looks like your standard decent looking old guy from old times. Like, it's not super like, yeah, that's him. But also there's no other photos that have been like verified to be of him Mm -hmm. there's a painting that was painted in 1840 um that's the main likeness that people use um and there's a death mask Uh, after he died they made a mask of his face Mm. and so that's what we have to go on until this past week is this the 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 greenish photo that looks like he's printed on a 20 dollar bill Yes, because it's a daguerreotype. Mm. Uh, that that's what it is. So okay, so they so this is that's a photo, right? The, the it's a just a you said it's a David Guetta type. Uh, yeah, it's a David Guetta type. Uh, it's a daguerreotype. So here's the story of this photo. Because at first I was like, oh cool, they finally have a picture of the guy. Like I didn't question it because I don't care. However, I did some digging because as I was pulling up our sources to like review my outline Mm -hmm. for this there was like a million and a half articles that are like is it a fraud like is it a fake picture so let's get into it (laughs) i was like i have to talk about this and while you were digging did you happen to find any gold plates no uh zero gold plates i did find paper plates in my mom's cabinet (laughs) that i then put tortilla chips on and then melted cheese on them because that's the standard food you eat when you're home with your parents Mm. uh but no no gold plates the bay area gold nacho cheese nacho cheese so let's talk about it the photo was discovered by a man named daniel larson now daniel larson is kind of interesting because he is allegedly Joseph Smith's great, great, great grandson. Whoa. Yes. Um, however, he only joined the LDS church in the last like five, six years, which is unusual given his family's history. Um, now, the story around this photo was originally published in the John Whitmer Historical Association Journal. Um, which is a Mormon like journal. So there's a lot of stuff in this that's like, 
there's not a lot of non-Mormon sources verifying this, and that's why people are starting to suspect it's fake. So, uh, he found the photo in 2020, so two years ago, Mm -hmm. and he found it in a locket that he inherited from his mother, who is the granddaughter of Joseph Smith III. Now, we kind of went over this last week while you weren't here. Joseph Smith's first wife, Emma. First of all, Joseph Smith is a junior. The one that we are covering is a junior. Mm -hmm. We know that. His wife, Emma, and his son, Joseph Smith III. After Joseph's death, they break off and build their own branch of Mormonism. That's like the true Mormonism because they are descendants. Mm -hmm. However, that church goes on to not really identify as Mormon. (laughs) They're the RLDS, the Reformed... Latter-day Saints, also known as a community of Christ, where they identify as like regular evangelical Christianity, but they also use the Book of Mormon. It's they're Mormon as we would understand it, but they're not mainstream LDS. So it's like kind of a weird in between. But according to this guy, his grandmother, who was the granddaughter of Joseph Smith's son. So he's a direct line, which is the third, right? Right, Joseph Smith so, III. So, okay, so there goes Joseph Smith's dad, who is uh, Joseph Smith, the original. Senior. Uh-huh. And then our Joseph the Smith OG. is yeah. Joseph Smith II. And right now we're right. talking about Joseph Smith with a vengeance. Correct. Okay. Yes, mm-hmm. Joseph Smith with a vengeance. And his daughter, who oddly enough... And here's the thing, part of the reason that Joseph Smith with a vengeance and his mom break off to become their own thing is because the rest of the church brings up Joseph Smith's polygamy and Joseph Smith's wife hates that. So part of the reason they form the RLDS is kind of anti-polygamy. However, Joseph Smith III did actually have multiple wives, not at the same time, like six in succession. Okay. 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 um, And had a number of children. So, the grand, like the daughter who is the grandmother of the guy who found it, is actually like a child of his second or third wife and not his first wife. It's like a whole thing. He's still a direct descendant, allegedly. Okay. So, did he have another son? Because I want that one to be a good day to Joseph Smith. Um, I, he does, but I don't think they're named Joseph. Uh, coward. I mean, now Joseph Smith III might have had a, a good day to Joseph, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know for sure. Mm. So, uh, what Daniel Larson and uh, a man named Lachlan McKay have kind of claimed, Lachlan McKay, by the way, Mormon researcher, but also soup on a ton of Mormon podcasts. Um, so, they claim that they used facial recognition software to compare the photo to the painting from 1840, which is the only artistic likeness of Joseph Smith from the time that he was alive. And they do essentially admit that they're like, paintings are never exact. Paintings always paint people in the most positive light. So they definitely would have altered his face a little bit to make him look better. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they also compared it to the death mask And allegedly, according to their findings, it's within a 5% range of probability on all of the points of the face that this is the same person. 
However, they're not super scientific about it where they're just kind of like mapping out each face and then putting the photo on top of it and being like it matches and it's like this is some history channel bullshit mm, mm, yes of course facial recognition software aka 50 percent opacity on photoshop yeah exactly exactly and i've i've looked at all of it i've looked at the findings i'm on the fence uh because okay. It definitely looks like it could be that guy's face, but also most old white men looked the same at the time. And so <laughs> it could be fucking anybody's face. Not at the time, Paige. Let me tell you, as a man who just spent a bunch of time next to the Dutch, it's all of them. They all look the same. <laughs> uh, so um, Lachlan McKay, who is the nephew of Daniel Larson, who found it, or at least from what I understood of the articles I read in the Salt Lake Tribune, that was the familial relation. Okay. Um, who is also RLDS, so Community of Christ, the version that their great-great-grandfather started. What they did, and I think this is actually, I, I don't think it's a successful way to prove this, but I understand why they took this tactic and it makes sense. They went back through all the photos they could find of contemporaries. So basically their family and people who were alive at the time that Joseph Smith was alive and then worked their way back to present. And what they looked for was the locket where they found the photo and traced who had the locket in their possession through time. So they traced it from joseph smith the third joseph smith of the vengeance one of his <laughs> wives had it then his daughter emma had it mm -hmm. and then it passed through emma's line to the grandson okay that that allegedly discovered it the only problem with that is photos from back in the day are bad and all they could prove from those photos is that all of those women owned a round locket yeah which was super common at the time. Like almost every woman who owned jewelry owned a locket, like so many, and they can't see any detail on the locket. It's just round. And so they just think it's the same locket, but they can't prove that it is. So they technically can't prove that it's Joseph Smith's picture at all. Can I take a wild guess at the justification for this? Sure. You can't prove it isn't. You can't prove it's not, Paige. Sure. Uh, and there is definitely a lot of evidence that says it could be. I mean, it is found among the family's belongings. But also remember that Joseph Smith had literally dozens of wives and a number of children, any one of whom of those children could have grown up to look like him enough to be in that picture. Yeah. Now, here's the other thing to think about. And this is more based on what we talked about last week. Emma, his first wife, was extremely protective of Joseph's body, specifically his bones, and any information and things that they could find about him, she was very protective of it. I will get into why later in this episode because it's fucking wild. You mean after his death, right? Also during, she was not a fan of the polygamy thing, but definitely after he died. Well, I meant more the bones thing because that was like, yeah, that would be sure. such a weird thing if my wife was like, you've got to protect your bones. Got to protect your bones. The bones are where the love comes from. Yeah. 
so part of the reason she protected his bones is because, I mean, we'll get to the crazy reason at the end of this episode, but she was deadlocked in a supremacy battle with Brigham Young and some of the other men who were trying to take over the church, which is how the RLDS kind of breaks off anyway. So, and this was for years, and her descendants are kind of locked in this same battle too. So surely, if they had this information, if they had this locket, if they had this thing, they knew it was the only surviving photo of Joseph Smith, and it had been handed down through the family for generations, someone would have brought it the fuck up. Like, no one would have waited until 2020. Like, this would have come up in, like, the 60s or 70s or something. Um, I don't know why it waited till now. Um, So, personally, I think this might be a little bit like the plates fucking made up. So, okay. All right. Yeah. 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 I see what you're putting down page, but also, and may I refute this with, you can't prove the plates didn't exist. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't eat nachos off, off other plates. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I get you. I get you. So let's get back into our main story. So Joseph Smith was called a prophet. Dum, 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 dum. <laughs> uh, to recap you on what has happened. Um, Oh, also, because you weren't here last week, I got a number of messages from listeners uh, who were former Mormons. Everyone who signed that paper saying that they had seen the plates only saw them in a vision. Okay. (laughs) All right. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, anyway yeah okay all right so they Whatever. are fake there are no plates the plates do not exist yeah take the plates that do to not a, exist take that the to limit a, does not exist <laughs> take that to a fucking notary and see if that tracks yeah, yeah. so i saw the signing in a vision it's chill yeah yeah exactly um now where we left off before we took a little detour to talk about all his wives which if you haven't had the chance to listen to last week go listen to last week super fascinating also troubling But, you know, Mm. so Joseph Smith was paranoid uh, and had raised a militia because the state of Missouri had basically declared it open season on Mormons. Yep, I remember this. Uh, And in large part because the Mormons would show up to a town and take over that town. And after, well, probably before, too, but definitely after 1841, uh, whenever they showed up somewhere, they would also try to uh, marry the teenage daughters in the town. Hmm. Um, So definitely from like 38 to 40, it was also still happening. We just for sure know it was happening after 41. So uh, Mormons were climbing in your windows, snatching your daughters (laughs) up, trying to plate them. So you need to hide your towns, hide your wives. So Missouri is like, no, and you it's on site, basically. <laughs> if you see a Mormon, it's on site. You can tell because they all look like the picture in this locket. <laughs> so they're forced to flee. But luckily, after Joseph's last stint in prison, someone had kind of paved the way for them to have a place to be. Brigham Young did not end up with prison in prison with them. And instead, he had taken a number of Mormons to Iowa and Illinois. And he had established kind of a community there that was much more peaceful than the Missouri ones. Um, 
in part because they were a little kind of small and gradually grew. It wasn't everyone at, at once. Um, but also they weren't necessarily practicing plural marriage yet. They definitely would later. But at this time, it's not as common. So they're not really making waves. And because he hadn't been in prison, everyone in that group starts to really get attached to Brigham Young. And basically, he's the person who kept them safe and kept things normal and kept things peaceful while Joseph and everyone is literally at war with the state of Missouri. Gotcha. This sounds like most people I knew as a kid their situation with their father like your dad mm. goes to prison and then he's stuck in a war with whatever state he lives in it's all about child support and then hey mm -hmm. look mom meets this nice guy who's never right. been to prison who also wants to fuck all of her neighbors um jeez oh, it's brigham young is my yeah. point <laughs> Um, so, but that meant that there was a community in Illinois for them to escape to. Mm -hmm. Um, but here's the thing nationally. So nationwide, Missouri's treatment of the Mormons was not initially popular. Um, in part, I mean, specifically the Hans Mill massacre. Mm -hmm. Um, but the general expulsion of Mormons from Missouri gets reported in newspapers across the country as basically, Missouri basically genociding Mormons is how it gets reported. Okay. Now, here's the thing. The Mormons should not have been rounded up and killed and pillaged like uh, like Viking hordes. Like, that should not have happened. You can definitely say that should not have happened while still acknowledging that the Mormons were causing a lot of problems for the people that they lived around and were not considerate of the people that they were living around. So a lot of people did not get the other side of the story. The story they got was basically Missouri is killing these people for no reason. Right. But that's not true i love that you're doing basically like the reverse of trump where it's like there's bad people on both sides they right. uh there's just there are bad people on both sides dog shit people on both sides here bud yeah yeah no the the state of missouri was absolutely wrong mm -hmm. in in how they handled this however the mormons were causing a serious amount of problems that were going to really hurt missouri's infrastructure and also were making most Missourians very unhappy. Um, so, which is, by the way, hard to do because they live in Missouri. Yep. Um, anyway, so states started accepting Mormons as refugees, specifically Illinois. Um, and because in Illinois, their dealings with Brigham Young had given them the impression that they could live peacefully with the Mormons and that that was normal. But they hadn't met Papa Daddy Joseph Smith yet. So they allow them to go to Illinois and Joseph Smith buys a bunch of swamp land on the banks of the Mississippi River. Okay. They then drain the swamp and that's where they build Nauvoo. Now, granted, there was a city already there. It's a city called Commerce. Um, Wait, so Nauvoo is a swamp land. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm starting to see where George Lucas stole his shit from. Yeah, right? So... It was the city of commerce mm -hmm. um, and the swamp part was just the part where nobody lived, but it's still within the city limits. We covered this a little bit on the Strangites, Strang, Strangites episode where uh, the history of the city of commerce 
it had started as like a backwater and they named it commerce to try and get people to to go there for business mm, yeah, business yeah. like that <laughs> that's why they wanted people there um but joseph smith buys up a, a significant portion of the city drains the swamp they start building on it and they rename it nauvoo which mm. and i have a quote here from joseph smith which mm-hmm. is uh misa think this is a good idea Perfect. You sound exactly like him. Uh, I know that's his voice because I found it in a locket. Yeah, um, it was a voice recording. Yes, it was one of those birthday cards. Uh, so Joseph Smith names the city Nauvoo, uh, which he claims means beautiful. Now, I did some digging, and I know I did some digging on this in the Strange Edge episode, but I did more digging this time to make sure that I my suspicions were founded. Uh, so... Every every source I found that says that it means beautiful is Mormon, uh, which means in this instance, they can't be trusted. Like mm. anything that's like Latter Day Saints, whatever, you throw it out. No, they, this is not. No. The one non-Mormon source I found was a WordPress blog uh, called Judaica World, which is someone's personal blog, which means it's not super reliable because as it turns out, it is also a Mormon adjacent blog. Tight. Um, however, that one blog points out that allegedly in Shepherdic Hebrew, there are two roots that kind of sound like this and kind of mean beautiful or comely or to be comely. Uh... But that means that Joseph Smith, at best, at absolute best, mm-hmm. created his own Hebrew portmanteau mm-hmm. of smashing two words together into a new wor- word and then just declared that it meant beautiful. So, in other words, like everything else, he made it the fuck up. Yeah. So, well, it, I yeah, mean, it's bullshit. You can't, you can't blame him for trying to make something comely by smashing two things together. Yeah, clearly he'd been doing that with the local teens for some time. <laughs> oh no! I also I think that I've talked about this before, but I, this is this always makes me laugh so much. Is um, my dad, my father, has the name Linda tattooed on his <laughs> neck. Um, that is not even close to the name of his wife, by the way. Not even <laughs> a little bit. Not even close to my mom's name either. Um, so he has the name Linda tattooed on his neck, which is like, dude, you can like only fuck Lindas from now on. Right. Right. Or right, right. Maybe a Melinda and you add it on there at the end. Um, but he tries to, he tries to like save it. This is a real thing. My father once told me where he goes, well, in Spanish, Linda means beautiful. What? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, well, cool. In English, it means I don't fucking think ahead, my guy. Yeah. So... <laughs> I just I love that idea of like trying to repurpose it and like it means beautiful. The means fuck beautiful. it does, my guy. Uh, my favorite th- that reminds me of that Ron Funches joke of like I saw a guy with a neck tattoo that said "fuck Linda," which <laughs> means that he either he has to remind himself to be intimate with Linda, <laughs> or it's like that guy hates Linda, or he has to remind himself to be intimate with Linda. Either way, Linda could do better. Uh, <laughs> I like to believe it's the same Linda. Yeah, I just... Well, I wonder if he just saw your dad on a bus one time. (laughs) My dad doesn't take the bus. He takes takes an unregistered Yukon page. Oh, jeez. With no insurance. This is criminal. He's fine. Yikes. (laughs) So, 
Once settled in Illinois, Joseph Smith decides that he's going to try and turn the Mormons' fortunes around financially. So he petitions the federal government for reparations. <laughs> what? He was unsuccessful. Yeah. <laughs> the oh. federal government was like, the fuck you do? Now, granted, again, they were straight up murdered. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, yeah, but wait. I mean, we talked to Missouri and they have kind of a different story about what happened. Like, don't get us wrong. Missouri's in the wrong here, too. But like, what? It's pretty crazy that they think that they can get reparations when people who deserve reparations yeah, cannot uh-huh. get reparations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, That's fucking wild. But while he was doing that, he actually had a bigger problem. See, the problem with buying swamp land is that it's in the swamp. Uh, and do you know what else is in the swamp? Mosquitoes. Mm. So during the summer of 1839, they have a widespread malaria epidemic, which kills off a number of Mormons, uh, specifically children. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't reduce their numbers drastically to the point where they're like hurting, but it's enough people that they're like, maybe we shouldn't have built the temple in the fucking swamp. Like that's where we're at. Uh, But Joseph Smith was dead set on the idea that they needed more people, more reinforcements to backfill the people who had died from malaria, but also because he wanted to raise a fucking army. He was still mad about Missouri. So he sends Brigham Young to Europe with a handful of other people on a mission, or as I started calling it last week, on a quest. And they went and converted a number of like factory workers. And part of that conversion was either paying their way back to America or starting groups of Mormons in Europe. Now, there's not a ton of Mormons in Europe. Like there are. It's definitely more of an American thing. But that's how a lot of the Mormon kind of offshoots in Europe get started is from this trip. Um, But that was kind of a bad idea because... A lot of the people in Illinois trusted Brigham Young. And the only reason they were trusting Joseph is because Brigham Young had portrayed him to be this exalted prophet. But then they're confronted with the reality that this dude is just a defeated grifter who is suddenly unhinged and calling the shots and sending their leader that they trust away. And it was about to get worse because like all cult leaders, Joseph was super susceptible to flattery. Like all he had to do was tell him that he was great and you were on his team. Mm, Okay. So he, yeah, he gets a number of letters from a man named John C. Bennett who had encountered Mormons in a couple different places. He was a physician uh, primarily practicing in Ohio, but he had taught at a couple universities. So he had had a couple run-ins with Mormons, but usually on a smaller scale, um, as he kind of just encountered them in the wild, but he liked what he saw. And so he wrote a number of letters to Joseph Smith asking to join the group. And Joseph Smith, of course, was like, yeah, absolutely. You can join. And because you seem to like me so much, you get to be second in command. Okay. So he's basically Michael Scott with an army. Yes, absolutely. Um, now John C. Bennett decides that he's going to move to Nauvoo because he's like, he's going to make me second in command. He's going to let me join the church. 
I'm I'm all in. I'm going in. And his wife and children were all out. Uh, they did not join him. They were just like, yeah, go have fun by your fucking self. Like, we're not going. Oh, my God. That rocks. That rocks so much. The amount of women and children who were just like, you go have fun in this story is amazing. Because it's happened like, this is the second or third time that's happened to somebody. I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> Good call. It's also like, I know this this might sound kind of fucked up, but it's happening at a time period where I feel like it wasn't really hard to do. Yeah. Yes. For a woman to just be like, nah. 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 Nah, I'm chilling. (laughs) I'm chilling. I'm actually good, though. But you, you, hey, you follow you, dog. You do you, dog. Yeah. No, I, I would say it's incredibly rare, and I respect all of these women for it. Hundred percent. So, turned out to be a good idea because the second he got to Nauvoo, John and Joseph started partying it up. Now, John immediately had a job when he got to Nauvoo because he was an educated man who had been to college, and Joseph really wasn't, or at least was educated to a, a degree based on the books that he had in his possession. Um, John starts creating a city charter for Nauvoo and it allowed for a lot of special privileges for the Mormons. For example, it gave the city complete autonomy. It gave them permission to found a university, but it also granted Nauvoo habeas corpus power, which meant that it was impossible to extradite anyone from Nauvoo. And they specifically did this so that Joseph Smith could not be extradited to Missouri for his crimes there. Because remember, he's still very guilty of crimes there. He had escaped prison prior to a lot of the battles. So even though Mormons controlled all of Nauvoo city government, they, and they put a provision in the charter that said that they provided religious freedom. And at the time people thought that meant that they were going to allow people to believe whatever they wanted in the city. But really this was a proviso to allow for any new visions the Mormons had that would go against conventional society. So that religious freedom piece that they built in was really for the Mormons. It's for them to be like, how dare you infringe upon us? Our city allows for religious freedom, specifically our religious freedom. Yeah. But the charter also basically authorized something called the Nauvoo Legion, which was a standing militia whose actions were only limited by state and federal constitutions. So basically it's their own like Blackwater. It's their own army who answered to them and the president of the United States. And that's, fucking it like that's it uh and joseph smith declares himself lieutenant general joseph smith (laughs) and john bennett declares himself major general john bennett and this army becomes the largest group of armed men in illinois at the time and the state of illinois approves this charter which is crazy but i think they just didn't realize the slippery slope that it would be so Super happy with the charter getting approved. Joseph Smith makes John Bennett assistant president of the church. So he's now number two and he gets elected to be Nauvoo's first mayor. So Joseph Smith, I think, was just like, well, I can't be mayor. People will be suspicious. But essentially, he is mayor. He is mayor via proxy because of John Bennett. 
But that left Joseph Smith some time to do something else. In 1841, he introduced the doctrine of plural marriage, which is basically multiple wives. Uh, And as I talked about last week, no one outside the church really knew about this at the time. It doesn't get talked about much until like, uh, like eight or so years after his death. And it's during the kind of warring factions of the church. Mm. Um, But, as we covered last week, it was very likely that he introduces this because he got caught fucking his maid uh, or any number of Missouri daughters and was forced to have a vision to basically stop people from questioning his motives. So as the city grows and more Mormons came and they're now marrying in as they come because Joseph was taking wives at about one wife a month. What? Wait. Yes, from 1841 to 1843. Wait, so he's he's got me undies for pussy. And yes. Oh, my. He doesn't consummate all of them. We we covered this a, a little last week, but he was also often marrying people for influence and political cachet within the Mormon group. So he was like marrying people to force them to go along with stuff. So like he definitely was marrying some women for a sexual relationship. And there's kind of, you can kind of tell who's who a lot of the time. Um, But other times he's like deliberately marrying men's wives to like cuck them into submission. It's wild. That's fucking. It's crazy. I, it's just it doesn't it, the fucking subscription service of marriage is yeah. really fucked up yep <sighs> okay. but it's about this time even though he has plenty of wives to keep him busy mm-hmm. that joseph smith got a new hobby specifically he noticed a group that seemed to be growing in membership near them and actively recruiting in the area the freemasons Ooh. Now, it's unclear exactly how he ran into the Masons. Some accounts say that he basically just found a local chapter and just waltzed on in and they literally like accepted him on site. Um, Other accounts say that some of the converts from overseas because they converted people from the UK. uh, So the Scottish right or um, from Germany as they came over, they brought Freemasonry with them. So that's potentially how that happened as well. But regardless, Joseph Smith saw their ceremonies and secret rites and were like, I'm fucking in. And also, I can definitely do that. So he starts literally ripping them off exactly. So he's ripping off Masonic rituals and using them as temple rituals in the groups that he's creating. Um, But he also adopts something that Freemasonry was doing at the time, which was separating men and women into unequal groups. Uh, So he basically originally is like only men can be a part of this and they're called the anointed quorum. And so that's who he claims are basically like his dudes. Uh, And for women, he creates the Relief Society, which is a service club and sorority within the group. And that's how he said they would receive the, quote, keys of the kingdom. So basically, in order to get ahead, you have to be in the service group. Uh, he also introduces a doctrine that allows him to, quote, baptize the dead. Uh, like to retroactively allow them into heaven? Yes. So that's exactly why they do it. They start baptizing the dead. And essentially it's similar to the Catholic idea of praying someone out of purgatory. Okay. So like 
it's this idea of like someone died and they weren't Mormon because either Mormonism wasn't around or they didn't accept it in their lifetime. And you can like intercede on their behalf after death to retroactively make them Mormon, which then does two things. A, people are like, great, they get to get, go into heaven now or whatever. But also B, it allows the Mormons to count them among their numbers of membership. So it seems like they have a lot more members than they actually have because whenever they count their members, they're also including the dead people they have baptized. Okay. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. This is mm-hmm. dumb. Yeah. Uh, so at this time, just to recap, he's got buttloads of wives, uh-huh. new wives every month, uh-huh. new wives, new styles. You that, can skip anytime you want. You got that micromodal pussy. Yeah, he's got micromodal pussy. He on that Fabletics yitty tip. Uh, and on top of this, he's incorporating Freemason shit. But while he's doing all of this, John Bennett is just fucking his way through the entire church, like anything that moved. Um, And everyone's like, hey, are you going to pay attention to that guy? And instead of addressing it, Joseph jumps in on a new vision. He's got a new vision because at this point, everyone's been to like three or four places that he claimed would be Zion, a.k.a. the Millennial City. And they just totally weren't. They were just Missouri or in this case, Illinois. And... So he decides that in order to fix this, you know, just like a cult leader that accidentally put a due date on a doomsday, mm-hmm. Which you he never says, do. here's the thing about Zion. It's all around us. <laughs> and we have to set up different outposts all over the earth to make sure that we rule on earth as a theocracy. So basically we have to continue to work and Zion is more of just an overarching concept and we are all part of Zion. I am you and you are me and we are all Zion together essentially. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very like, Oh, did I say it was going to be in Illinois? I meant everywhere, (laughs) including Illinois. Uh, What is Illinois but a state of mind, baby? Exactly. I'm saying, look, here's what I'm saying. I look around and everywhere I look, I see the bears, you know? So it's like, it's pretty much like we're everywhere. Yep. Uh, So, but news of plural marriage and John Bennett getting his dick and everything makes its way across to the people who are overseas on mission trips who left before they declared plural marriage a thing. And they're all just like, what? Um, I mean, yeah, we obviously want more wives, but there's gotta be like rules and decorum about it. Damn it. So a bunch of them start coming back. Brigham Young specifically, they roll back up to Illinois and they're just like, what the fuck is happening? Hmm. Who is this guy that's now in charge that has slept with everyone's wives? What is happening? And so Joseph Smith, out under pressure from everyone else, fires Bennett, basically cuts him loose and is like, you can't be Mormon anymore. And John Bennett was fucking pissed. So he writes a tell-all pamphlet mm-hmm. of what was going down in Nauvoo, and it is scathing. And now all the newspapers and everything, they were like, hey, the Mormons aren't so bad, are like, wait a second, is this what's actually going on there? Because what the fuck? So, by 1842, all the people who had previously been like, the Mormons are okay, are like, wait a second, maybe Missouri had the right idea. 
But what makes it worse is that someone tried to assassinate the governor of Missouri and everyone immediately blames the Mormons. Now, they do try a guy who was one of Joseph Smith's bodyguards, but he gets acquitted. There's not any actual proof that the Mormons did this. That guy could have just been assassinated for being an asshole. And, and they aren't successful. The guy lives. But like because of what had happened in Missouri, people immediately think it's the Mormons. Mm-hmm. Um, so now the governor of Illinois is fucking nervous. And it's like a year later and a group of people from Missouri try to get the Illinois governor to extradite Joseph Smith to Missouri. So they take him to Missouri and they get ambushed on the way by a group of Mormons who display documents of habeas corpus from the court in Nauvoo claiming that he cannot be extradited and they just have to let him go based on these bullshit documents. Well, everything has been based off of bullshit documents page. The whole religion is based off of bullshit plates. I mean, I mean, the I whole, mean, co- the whole country is bullshit documents yes, at this point. Absolutely. And by the way, I, that was an outburst. I didn't mean it. The plates are mm-hmm, definitely mm-hmm. real and totally so existing. real. They have nachos on them. Mm-hmm. The holy nachos. Absolutely. I saw them in a vision. Mm-hmm. In a vision. Uh, so in 1843, that same year, Joseph Smith is like, well, we can't have this keep happening. So he petitions the federal government for Nauvoo to become, any guesses? The f- a state. Yes, a sovereign God state. Damn it. Jesus fucking Christ. Can I go one fucking week without sovereign citizens, please? So the country refuses. The federal government refuses. Yeah. Uh, so then Joseph Smith writes to all the people who are running for president in the upcoming presidential election and asks them what they would do to protect the Mormons after their treatment in Missouri. But all the presidential candidates at this point are like, these Mormons are getting on everybody's nerves, right? Like everybody. So none of them commit to a response or they send him a negative response that's like, we're not helping you. Like, they're just like aggressively no. So in response, Joseph Smith decides that he's going to run for president oh of the United God. States. And that's what he throws all of his energy into. He's like, fuck everything else. This is what I'm doing. And things are not well back home in Nauvoo because Joseph basically takes all the church leaders, all the church resources and throws it into his presidential campaign and start sending people out to campaign for him, starting with the dudes whose wives he married, basically to be like, get out of here, man. <laughs> like, yeah. we don't need you sniffing around. Um, so he organized what he calls the Secret Council of 50. And that council had the authority to decide which national or state laws Mormons should obey. <laughs> yeah. I I don't... I don't... Yep. You can, I... Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but also he wanted the council to find sites for Mormon settlements in Texas, California, or Oregon, where they could basically create their own the- theocratic state. And they picked those states because they were not, they didn't have as many white people in them. I don't want to say that they weren't settled because people definitely already lived there and were living their lives quite peacefully. However, uh, there were not as many white settlements. Yeah there so that's why they picked it because they were like perfect we can just kill people because we're terrible um so in early 1844 about half of joseph smith's closest confidants the church leaders who were like 
He is going to bankrupt us with this fucking president shit. Uh, most notably, a man named William Law and a man named Robert Foster. Um, they basically were like, hey, we have a vote of no confidence, essentially, in Joseph Smith. Now, um, Smith had also recently married both of their wives, uh, and they didn't cite this as a reason, but I'm sure it factored into it. Uh, but they disagreed with how Joseph Smith was running Nauvoo's economy, mainly because Joseph Smith was a con man who had no idea how to run an entire city and had already bankrupted the church once before. And this is less than 20 years from when he was tried as a con man and four years from when he got everyone to buy into a bank scheme. So, like, he does not have a good track record. So, in response, Joseph Smith excommunicates them on April 18th, 1844. And they form a competing church and they start to live at the county seat in Carthage, Illinois, which means they're closer to the governor. So they procure indictments against Joseph Smith for perjury and polygamy because they know about the plural marriage. So they then on June 7th publish the only existing issue of the Nauvoo Expositor, which is basically a, a newspaper that's like Joseph Smith is doing all of these things. Mm -hmm. And because Joseph Smith had been running the church into the ground uh, in Nauvoo, there were a lot of former Mormons in Nauvoo. So they get a lot of backing from locals who had kind of left the church but were still living there. And Joseph Smith got furious. So he has his goons essentially destroy the printing press. Well, that makes people even angrier because now... People are pissed because they're silencing people. And the paper talked about like him having doctrines of many gods, the whole Nauvoo, like, you know, Zion's all around us. They talked about polygamy and they basically implied that he was using his religion to get ladies, which like it's not not true. Like, you know, like it's definitely true. So because he thought there would be an uprising, Joseph Smith declares martial law. And Carthage and the governor of Illinois are like, hey, you can't fucking do that. You're not a sovereign citizen. This is treason in the state of Illinois to declare martial law against Illinois citizens, especially ones that are not Mormon. So Joseph Smith tries to flee, but eventually returns and surrenders to the governor at the time. And he and his brother Hiram go to Carthage to stand trial. They think they're only standing trial for inciting a riot. However, once they're there, the city or the state, I should say, reveals that the charges are actually treason, which means they can't post bail and they can't leave. So on June 27th in 1844, an armed mob in blackface, oddly enough. Yes. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Wait, mm -hmm, what? Mm -hmm, Why? Mm -hmm. So, what? <laughs> Wait. Yep. What? Yep. Mm -hmm. Why? I don't know. I have to imagine it was because it was nighttime and they were trying to like oh my God. blend into the dark. I don't know. But they show up at the jail where they're being held um, and they're not being held in any sort of secure jail. There's just like a door and Hiram, who's trying to hold the door shut, uh, manages to yell to Joseph that he's dying he gets shot and he just says brother i am dying and so joseph runs for the window and jump and like manages to fire a couple shots back at the people who shot hiram because they let them keep their guns like 
it's yeah i guess maybe it was closer to the founding and so they were like yeah second amendment we gotta we always gotta let people keep their guns i don't know or or just because guns weren't as lethal at the time yeah. but so he know. jumps out the window and shoots as he goes down damn that is some actual diehard shit though yeah um and but he gets shot as he's coming out the window because there's also a huge mob outside oh, yeah. like not everyone could fit in so he, he's shot he lands on the ground with multiple bullets in him and says oh lord my god then dies in front of the church and then they proceeded to shoot his dead body for several more minutes what like you gotta really hate someone to be like i'm sure he's dead but let's musket ball him into the ground i want you at home to look at a clock and wait an entire minute and see how just how long that is to shoot somebody for several of those after they're already dead what are you fucking doing also you're in blackface by the way so you have right. to yeah you have to take that into account yes so uh five men were tried for smith's murder but they they are all acquitted mm -hmm. and then most of the articles end there and say that Joseph Smith was buried in Nauvoo and is interred there at the Smith family cemetery, which is true, but he didn't immediately and automatically get to that cemetery, which brings me to some of the madness that happened after his death. Now, a rift begins in the church, and we talked about this last week, and we talked about that the main factions were Emma and Joseph Smith uh, with a vengeance, the third, uh, Brigham Young, uh, Jesse James Strang, and one or two others. Um, three main factions but what we didn't talk about was a fourth group and this is a group that believed that they had to reanimate Joseph's dead body so he could continue to lead them as a reanimated corpse which had untold powers no this was by no means a popular belief this was not a large group but this was a very dedicated group yeah I'm um, just saying no I'm saying no Paige it doesn't exist and I'm saying no I've never it actually does. tried this before with Colt Podcast and just refuse. <laughs> just, I refuse. Uh, but this is why Emma had to continually move and hide Joseph's body <laughs> for the next two <laughs> decades. <laughs> uh, and this is all while helping her son run the RLDS. Um, so he's actually buried and disinterred a handful of times. Now, by granted, I mean, I, I don't mean move the body like she's constantly keeping it on her. I mean, like she hasn't buried somewhere and people desecrate the grave. So she tries to move the grave. It's like a whole no, thing. No, I know what you mean. Uh, he does end up in the Smith family cemetery and, and that's where he is today. I guess it would but. be funnier if she just kept his bones in a giant locket. Like a like she was right. fucking Flavor Flav with the bones of her dead husband. Yes. Now, here's what's happening after. So, like, the factions are the factions. She's hiding bodies mm -hmm. and starting her own church. In 1846, Brigham Young decides that he's done trusting the established states of America. Hell yeah. And he's going to strike out west. Well, um, mm, okay. Mm, um, with the bulk of the Mormons in Nauvoo. Because remember, he's the, like, stability choice at the time. Which is wild, because he will not be later. Like, he is going to do horrifying things when we eventually cover him in his own series. Mm -hmm. um, but because a lot of the Mormons trusted him, they followed him. And the only problem with that is that that same year, Illinois decided that they were going to do like Missouri did and get rid of their Mormon problem, too. Okay. So... 
Brigham Young has already left with a bunch of the Mormons, which means that there's only like less than 200 Mormons left in Nauvoo at this time. People do come back to Nauvoo or whatever. Uh, but the Illinois militia basically rolls up with a thousand dudes. But that 150 to 180 Mormons fought the fuck back using guerrilla warfare and held the city against an army 10 times their size for a full week before surrendering. Like they had like a, a, the tower of the temple that they were just like trying to snipe people from. But again, it's like old guns. So they're like, it's like not great, but they're like sneaking up on people and killing them in their sleep. Like they're just what the hardcore. I'm not, I'm not kidding you. It's the battle of Nauvoo. Um, but eventually they do have to surrender because they, they run out of ammunition and supplies and everything. Um, so basically the state of Illinois gives them a week to gather whatever belongings they have and just get the fuck out. And most of them follow up with Brigham Young to a place that they would then call Utah. And that's where we'll end for now. Whoa. Mm -hmm. Damn. I never thought that I would be hyped to hear about Utah. I know, right? Oh, my God. Paige, this is upsetting, but also pretty fucking stellar. I mean, there's so much shit in here. You just got done telling me about Mormon Rambo, and I love it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> wow. So this is just the beginning of yes. Mormonism. There's so much more. Yes, so much more. Oh, my God. So this would actually be a great time to announce that Cult Podcast is actually turning into a Mormonism podcast. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and you might think that we're talking about covering the, the, the horrors and history of Mormonism. But no, we're actually turning pro-Mormonism. Um, so, yeah, if you would like to subscribe to uh, Wife a Month. Just go ahead and go to www.patreon.com slash cold podcast and we will send mm. you a new wife every month. Thank you. <laughs> Some of them might just be body pillows. Oh, absolutely. I would say it's going to be a 60-40 ratio, 60% body pillow. Yeah, 40% blow up doll. Like, we don't want to get actual people involved in this, plus shipping actual people, expensive. Oh, very expensive. I like that we went not unethical, but just expensive. <laughs> also unethical. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, oh, my God. Paige, thank you for bringing this. Uh, this has been such a fun series. And also, shouts out to Todd for coming on, and I believe Mikey as well, uh, yes. so that he wouldn't get left out. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite things that happened while i was gone um and maybe not favorite things i might be overusing that phrase but basically somebody tweeted at me and was like uh you it was i missed you on cult podcast this week and i was like no i was there i just refuse to talk when mikey's around <laughs> You know what? Hey, if you um, want to find me, your boy, you can. I'm on social media, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, at Mondo Does Stuff. That's M-A-N-D-O Does Stuff, all one word. I'm also on Twitch, baby, and I'm back in America. I'm going to be doing shit. I'm going to be fucking living it up. I got a bunch of stand-up shows this month in August. Uh, go to my Instagram to find out when they're going to be. I love you. Goodbye forever. I mean, until next week, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
It's your girl Paige. I'm here every week. Uh, but specifically, I am roast battling in Sacramento, August 11th at the Sacramento Punchline. You can get tickets on their website. And then roast battling again in Los Angeles on August 23rd. Those tickets will be released just a day or two before the actual battle. Uh, so I usually post it on Instagram, but they tend to sell out day of. So if you want to go see either, get tickets ASAP, especially for Sacramento because those tickets have been out for a little bit. So I would scoop them up if you can. Uh, if you want to follow me and find out when all this stuff is happening, you can follow me on Instagram at Rampage Wesley. Uh, same on TikTok or on Twitter at Paige Wesley. Love you. Bye. And hey, follow us on Instagram at Colt Podcast. Or on Twitter at Colt Podcast Show. Or send us an email to coldpodcastshow at gmail.com, baby. And if you want to send us a body pillow that we can marry. And can fuck. S- and fuck. You could send that to 3756 West Avenue 40, Sweet K, number 237. Like The Shining. Los Angeles, California, 90065. And I think for this one, I'm going to say... Don't drink anything that Joseph Smith or John Bennett hand you. It's probably (laughs) roofied. (laughs) And it's definitely swamp water. Yes. And don't drink the Kool-Aid. Bye. Bye.